Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. It is so old, but that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi. Thank you for... Thank you for the awkwardness. Uh, appreciate it every time. It's always good. It's always good. Good to be here with you this morning. Um, hope you're all doing well. It's, uh, it's spring, I think. And, um, you know, there's something, you know, Easter, spring, I mean, that, that sense of joy, that sense of sunrise, both S-U-N and S-O-N, uh, is so significant. And I... I spiritually and emotionally, I struggle a great deal when those two things don't line up. Um, you know, and so it's, it's nice when spring arrives in both our weather and spring arrives in both our spiritual life at, at the same time. And so with that, let's, uh, let's pray. Um, Father in heaven, thank you uh, for today. Um, thank you for each person that you've brought here, uh, whether it be online or in person. Uh, we pray that through the power of your spirit that you would speak to us, um, that we would grow, that we would be challenged, and that we would understand that you are always with us. Amen. Okay, I want to read to you uh, John. Um, this is uh, chapter 20, and this is verses 19 to 29. And so uh, here we go. The disciples were afraid of the Jewish leaders and on the... And you know what? I can't, I can't read that because the screen does not work for me because it's cutting off words, but you know what? It's good. I have a Bible. So <laughs> the disciples are afraid of the Jewish leaders, and on the evening of that same Sunday, they locked themselves in a room. Suddenly, Jesus appeared in the middle of the group. He greeted them and showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they became very happy. After Jesus had greeted them, he said, I'm sending you just as the Father has sent me. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they will be forgiven. But if you don't forgive their sins, they will not be forgiven. Although Thomas the twin was one of the 12 disciples, he wasn't with the, the others when Jesus appeared to them. So they told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, first I must see the nail scars in his hands and touch them with my finger. I must put my hand where the spear went into his side. I won't believe unless I do this. A week later, the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. Jesus came in while the doors were still locked and stood in the middle of the group. He greeted his disciples and said to Thomas, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and have faith. Thomas replied, you are my Lord and my God. Jesus said, Thomas, do you have faith because you've seen me? The people who have faith in me without seeing me are the ones who are really blessed. The post-resurrection stories of Jesus are among the most fascinating. Uh, his divinity and humanity seem to be on full display. I mean, they were always on full display, but there's even this heightened awareness around it. Uh, we see the humanity and that his scars remain. Uh, we see the humanity and that he eats, uh, which is very, very significant in his post-resurrection journey and that he eats. Uh, the, in the old, in ancient days, they believed very strongly in ghosts and spirits, but they didn't eat 
Only if you're physically alive would you eat. So that's why Jesus eats so frequently. We read so much of him eating post his resurrection to display that this was not a merely spiritual resurrection, that Jesus physically rose from the dead as well. Yet there's something about him that seems even more heavily, and this is one such example of that, and I'll get into kind of one of the weirdest things that he does um, post-resurrection um, that happens in this story. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about um, something that happened to me recently that instilled the fear of God into me. So I'm supposed to meet, I go to Calgary quite frequently for my, for my job, and I was supposed to meet somebody on, I think it was the 30th floor of some building. I don't remember what it was, uh, how high I had to go. But I'm on the elevator, I'm by myself, and somewhere between the 19th and the 20th floor, the elevator stopped. It was about a month and a half ago. And not me, could have been me. And I, um, it just, it stops. And so uh, I, I freeze, I'm by myself, I'm very grateful to be by myself. Because when you're by yourself, you can be however emotional or unemotional you want to be. If there's somebody else there, you may have to talk them down. They may be trying to talk you down. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I, I pick up my phone. I'm down to about 20% battery, less than ideal. I, you know, do what everybody does, start hitting the buttons. Nothing happens. I hit the, the call button. Nobody comes on. I hit the emergency button. Nobody comes on. And then finally, I hear a voice uh, in the darkness. <laughs> And it says, uh, elevator out of service. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're going to be okay. Calm down. I, I'm, I don't have a strong claustrophobia in me. I have a little bit of it. I, what I do have is a fear of heights. And so, but for whatever reason, when I'm in clothes like that, I don't sense that. So I'm, I'm actually not bad. So I'm, I text the person I'm supposed to meet, hey, going to be a little late here. Uh, I text, you know, I don't text my family because I knew they'd freak out. And so, you know, I'm just sort of sitting there trying to mind my own business. And then finally, there's a voice through the door and the voice is, hello, sir, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yes. And he goes, what's your name? I said, oh, my name is Dean. And he said, well, tell me about yourself. And at this moment, I know that I am getting crisis counseling. Uh, you know, I've been around long enough to know what, what is happening here. He's trying to de-escalate me. And I'm like, you know, and, and this is true. You know, I, I think he had a mask on. I'm in an elevator. There's the doors. Like, I can barely hear the guy. And I said that to him. I said, look, I, I, I can barely hear you. I'm really, really sorry. But you need to know I think I'm okay. He goes, you're sure? And I said, yes. He said, it shouldn't be much longer. A tech is on his way. Fine. So I'm sitting there. And at this point, you know, I, I did say to him, can we just pry open the doors? And he's like, no, that would be bad. I'm like, okay, so we're not going to pry open the doors. I mean, I've seen that in movies. You know, I thought that, that would be kind of fun. And so um, I'm okay. Then the elevator drops. For all I know, it dropped six inches, but I swear it dropped six stories. <laughs> and that moment of dropping, uh, now I'm scared. Again, I'm, I'm scared of heights. And really, anybody who's scared of heights is not actually scared of heights or scared of falling. And you're scared of plunging to your death. Really, I'm scared of dying. And so I feel that drop, and, I, and I'm scared. And then suddenly, the elevator starts to go up. And I relax. And I relax. And I feel, okay, we're going to get there. Go to the restaurant and, um, where I'm meeting my colleague, Gro. And they're like, can we get you anything? And I went, yeah, everything. 
Yeah, like it just, like, you know, whatever, whatever you guys got, and they felt really bad, not their fault, the story ends just, just fine. So, that was my moment of greatest fear in the last few months, maybe the last few years. Peace is the antidote to fear, isn't it? When we're at our most scared, it's peace that we need. I needed peace in that moment. Absolutely needed peace in that moment. And it came to me, and I don't know why it did, but it did. And it wasn't because of Buddy talking to me through the, through the walls. It was because I think I knew deep down that God was with me. The door is locked by the disciples out of fear. The disciples and his friends are scared, really, really scared about being killed. And they've got lots of good reasons for this, but primarily, you know, they had seen their savior, their leader, their friend be killed. So they're thinking if they kill Jesus, they're going to kill us too. So the door is locked. And Jesus enters the room somewhat mysteriously. How he enters isn't clear. Whether he walks through a wall, whether he suddenly appears in the middle of the room, if you, you, know, if you want to be you know, less than spiritual, whether he's really good at picking locks, we don't know, but Jesus enters into the room. He does it, he's never done it before, but he does it this time. And the group gathered probably is even more freaked out by Jesus' presence initially than they were even before Jesus walks in. I mean, think about it. We've all been on edge and then have been startled by somebody else doing something that we weren't expecting. So consider Jesus showing up in the middle of the room. Unexpected, unexplained. Shouldn't have been able to do that. And they're startled. They're really, really startled. Then he looks at the group and he says, peace be with you, twice. In the moments of your greatest fear, and these guys and these women who are probably there too are very, very afraid, he says, peace be with you. He doesn't say calm down. He doesn't say relax. He doesn't say chill out, all of which causes the opposite reaction to most of us when we say that. He says, shalom. It's okay. All is well. In the midst of your crisis, my friends, I, Jesus, in with you. Shalom, I uh, have a, a friend who is actually a, uh, a rabbinette, which means that she is a female rabbi. And so I messaged her and I said, in the Jewish tradition, um, in Hebrew, what does shalom mean? And she messaged me back, quite simply, it means complete. It means that we lack for nothing. Our work is done. It means to be without conflict. When Jesus comes to them and says, peace be with you, he is saying, shalom, the work is complete. You lack for nothing. I am with you. 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, my, uh, one of my colleagues actually just mentioned this the other day, which is why it kind of leaps to mind. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, that's the, that's the love chapter, right? That's a chapter we read, we read or is recited almost at every wedding. Uh, you know it's got nothing to do with that kind of love. Instead, it's got everything to do with a church in conflict. And Paul saying, how you bring harmony to your church 
is by loving each other. Uh, like, reread it in a different way today. And think of the people that you are in conflict with, and then read 1 Corinthians 13 as a, almost an instruction manual as to how to bring harmony to relationships that are broken, because that's really what Paul is, is writing about. If you are in conflict, if you lack peace, ask Christ to bring shalom. If you need a to-do list of how to bring resolution to a relationship that's in conflict with you right now, read 1 Corinthians 13 and ask yourself, how am I bringing love into this relationship? The second thing that Christ does is he instructs his disciples that they are to forgive through the power of the Holy Spirit. Next, Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit. Hearken back, this really kind of goes back to Genesis. Um, in Genesis, we read that God breathed life into humankind. In other words, breath represents life. It represents life in the fullest. Um, the breath of God is the Holy Spirit coming into us. We have life in the fullest through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so Jesus comes and he says, I'm breathing the Holy Spirit into you in order for you to have life in the fullest and that you might forgive. And consider for a moment who he is saying that they need to forgive. He was just killed by people. He's saying, you're going to need the Spirit's power to forgive those who killed me. These people are living in fear because now they are being asked to forgive, including those who killed Christ. And you can only do this because of the Holy Spirit in your life. To forgive the trauma, the pain, the deep hurt in our lives, sometimes we need the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit's power to be able to do that. I've asked a colleague of mine to speak on this today who has quite the story. Um, she is unable to be here because of uh, Ukrainian Easter. Apparently, I'm missing out on this because there's a lot of pierogies involved. And I don't know if it's obvious to you, I like a pierogi. Uh, but she said, I can't, I can't be here today. Um, so I asked her to video it. And so we're going to show you the, the video of her talking about forgiveness. Good morning, everyone. My name is Stephanie. I'm a manager with the Mustard Seed at one of our supportive housing sites. Um, when Dean asked me to speak today about forgiveness, I was a little bit nervous, but also excited just because I haven't shared my story in about 15 years since I was baptized. Um, upon first impression, many people would assume that I've lived like a very normal or standard life. I have a university degree, a successful career, great friends, involved in lots of activities. Um, to be transparent, that is far from the truth. Um, I'm going to just share part of my story with you today, um, just explaining kind of my spiritual experience and how I've gotten to the point in my life that I am today. Um, I also have a psych degree and an, an addictions extension certificate, so bear with me if some of the language sounds a bit academic. Um, this is just my own personal perspective. If you're familiar with the Adverse Childhood Experience Study or the ACE study, you would know that there is a peer-reviewed um, amount of research that basically just studies the effects of adverse childhood experiences and the mortality or success rate of children involved in a variety of different traumas. Um, to br briefly summarize this study, researchers found that children who had a greater number of adverse childhood experiences 
were at a higher risk of developing mental health disorders, substance use disorders, physical ailments, and they also had a shorter mortality rate. Um, to put it bluntly, I would have been categorized as a child who would experience all of the above, living a high-risk life, susceptible to more adversity and a shorter life expectancy. Now, to get past the research and come back to my personal experience, I was a child who experienced a variety of traumas, including sexual, physical, emotional abuse. I was placed in foster care at the age of five and was in about 10 foster homes by the age of 15. My parents were meth addicts and dealing with their own struggles, which led me to my chaotic journey in and out of care. Um, when I was 15, I experienced a pretty traumatic event with my biological mom, which changed my perspective forever. At that time, I was living with my best friend and her family in high school. They were regular churchgoers and believers of God, but at that point, I was still on my own journey, kind of experiencing my own thing. Um, after that traumatic event, I remember going home and immediately asking for a Bible and for someone to pray with me. At that time, I didn't really know what I was asking for, but it was the only thing that was providing me any sort of um, comfort or clarity during that painful time. That moment changed my life forever and for the better. With the support of incredible friends and their families who exhibited characteristics of the fruit of the spirit, including love, generosity, peace, gentleness, self-control, I was able to get to the point in my life that I am today. Proverbs 17 verse nine says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Throughout my own journey, I realized that my parents did the best that they could with the resources that they had and what they knew. I learned that forgiving them for their actions and the adversity that they put me through was the only way that I could see, seek acceptance and understanding for myself. Proverbs 10 verse 12 also says, hatred stirs old quarrels, but love overlooks insults. Again, I realized that holding on to these feelings of bitterness and resentment was not going to free me of my past pain and suffering. I learned that being able to understand that my parents did the best that they could would allow me to forgive them of their past transgressions and move forward with a new outlook on life. Living my life through the Bible has allowed me to live a life that is authentic and full of meaning for me. My favorite verse is Proverbs 31:25. She's clothed in strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. I know in my heart that God has a plan for me and that I'm already living his plan in the work that I do. I remember being eight years old, living with my parents and having Christmas dinner at the Mustard Seed Church on Christmas Day. In that moment, it seemed like the most normal dinner ever. However, looking back, I can see how high risk and vulnerable my family dynamic was. The beautiful thing about this and trusting God's plan is that I now have a successful and impactful career at the Mustard Seed. If I can continue to lead by example and be my most authentic self, that is when we can make the biggest impact on our society. At the Mustard Seed, we work with the most vulnerable populations. Um, and when we do the work that we do and provide forgiveness with those who need it most, that's when we can make the biggest difference. My intention for today was to not lecture or preach on how to forgive, rather share my story in hopes that it can bring up feelings of those who have done you wrong in your life and allow God to open up your heart to forgive. Thank you. Good morning. The next um, point is that doubt can lead to faith. Um, I always believe that Thomas has been given a bad rap. Um, he's called Doubting Thomas Forever due to this. Um, to this story where he is unsure that what the disciples are telling him, telling him is true. His, his um, colleagues, his brothers, 
Um, and uh, Jesus comes a week later and, and he sees physical evidence um, that Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. And uh, Jesus says to him something along the lines of, you know, doubt no more. Or, you know, if uh, you, you need to believe, you need to stop doubting. And forever he is now doubting Thomas. Everyone else gets to see Jesus. Um, he doesn't. And he wants to see Jesus for himself. And when he does, he immediately drops in worship. And um, he drops in this sense of firm belief that Jesus is real, that he is alive, um, that he is physically present again. I can recall um, my period of doubt. Um, it was strong. I was raised in a, in a solid, wonderful Christian home, and my mom really taught me um, or instilled in me that doubt was not an option. It just wasn't allowed. Um, it could lead to unbelief, or worse, it could lead to dancing. And uh, you just did not doubt. You just did not doubt. I arrived in a classroom in my third year of university at the University of Alberta with a prof that pushed me in every way I could possibly be pushed. He pushed me on my faith structure. He pushed me on my belief structure. Um, he pushed me to the point where I had more doubts than I knew were possible in my faith in my Christian journey. And in the end, doubt compelled me to make the faith of my parents and the faith of my heritage my own personal faith. I had always been a Christian, but that was the day I decided that Christ would not only be the person I believed in, but the person that I would follow and live my life for. And it was doubt that pushed me there. And I'm not sure without that doubt what I'm doing today. I truly believe that healthy doubt leads you to deeper faith. And Thomas, he of doubt, is widely accepted as the individual that started the church in India. The church in India um, is now one of the largest churches in the world. And it is believed in the Acts, in the book of Acts, where we, see, we don't see a lot of the other disciples, right? They all kind of disperse after the first two or three chapters, and we don't really read a lot about what happened to them. Um, tradition and, and history tells us that Thomas traveled to India and started a church that exists to this day. I got a buddy who says, you know, what do you think the picture of St. Thomas is like over the church in India? Is he up there kind of shrugging his shoulders? Like, did I really pull this off? You know, and because, you know, he's, he's, he's taken this on for 2,000 years. But at the end, what incredible faith to travel halfway across the world to start a church that exists today. His period of doubt propelled him to an extraordinary faith that led to incredible action. I believe that if what we believe is real, doubt will only lead us to further belief, to further faith. John 16, 13 reads that the Spirit shows us what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. And I would encourage you that if you are experiencing doubt today, that you would actually lean into it 
Pursue it. Chase it. I've been blessed. I use the term loosely with three daughters. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like a blessing. <laughs> and all three of them have gone through periods of doubt, and my youngest is going through one right now. We sat down with her over Christmas, or she sat down with us, my wife and I, and uh, she, you know, we kind of asked her, where are you at with some of this stuff? And, and she said, I don't want to tell you. And I'm like, why don't you want to tell us? She said, because I don't want you to be mad at me. I'm like, why would I be mad at you? She said, because I'm doubting what you taught me is true. And I went, I'm not mad at you about that. And I said, I went through the same thing. All I want you to do, though, is lean into it. Learn, pray, grow, explore. Because if Christ is who I believe he is, he will reveal himself in incredible ways to you one day. We count on that, don't we? Lean into the doubt. So I want to end with three spiritual challenges for you. Three things I want you to consider. The first is um, two questions that I mean as one, but do you need to bring peace into a situation or relationship? Is there someone in your life that you are in conflict with and you are to be the peacemaker? Do you need to bring peace into that? Or do you need to experience shalom for yourself? Do you need that revelation from Christ that basically says, all is well, all is complete. I am with you. No matter what you're going through, you'll be okay. The second spiritual challenge is this. Do you need the Holy Spirit's power to forgive? Steph's story is incredible. I mean, she gave you the, the absolute shortest version of it. And um, I, I, I always, you know, I know she's always holding back. It was interesting when we interviewed her, the person uh, interviewing her for her job said to her, why do you want to work here? She said, well, I've had a lot of trauma in my life, and because of that trauma, I want to help people that have also had trauma. And he later on said to her and to me, the person interviewing her, when she said that, I thought she meant like her dog died or something. Because he looked at her and went, there's no way that she's had trauma, real trauma. I mean, completely wrong judgment. We all have something that has happened in our life, and we all have someone to forgive. And sometimes it's really, really hard. Do you need the Holy Spirit's power to forgive? And the third challenge is, are you processing your doubt so that it leads to a deeper faith? Are you processing your doubt so that it leads to a deeper faith? And I'm going to close with this. Eugene Peterson says, the way of Jesus cannot be imposed or mapped. It requires an act of participation in following Jesus as he leads us through sometimes strange and unfamiliar territory, in circumstances that become clear only in hesitations and questioning, in the pauses and reflections where we engage in prayerful conversation with one another and with him. Let's pray. Um, Father, um, some people are experiencing one of these things. Some people are experiencing all of them. Some people maybe are just fine. But I pray that, you know, in, in our walk, in our journey with, with you, um, in our desire to be Christ-like, um, in our um, need of the Holy Spirit, that for anybody who is um, in process with one of these three things, 
that um, you would help um, us to forgive. You would help us to um, work through our doubt that would lead us to uh, a deeper faith that Christ, that you would reveal yourself in extraordinary ways to those that are in a process of doubt. And uh, for those of us that are fearful, that are scared, that you would bring peace. And for those of us that are in conflict, that we would find a way to be a peacemaker. We know, Spirit, that in all things that you are with us, that you can both fill us, and then you can also bring unity amongst us. Um, you are here, you are alive, you are present, and you are the gift to the world as we wait for Christ to return. So we pray now that we would lean into you in all things and that as we go about our week ahead, um, that we would recognize how much you love us and how much you are with us. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.